just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope uh, the start of your week is going well. You know, normally on the weekends, you don't hear much in the news, especially on a Sunday. It's pretty low-key. You don't hear much of what's going on. It's harder for me to come up with some content, either for TikTok or for the podcast. Not the case this week. Not the case at all. Of course, the big news we heard was Joe Manchin says he will now not support the Build Back Better bill. Now, they've been talking about this for months and months and months, and Joe Manchin has uh, made some complaints, and then he said he liked other things. They started with Joe Manchin when this thing was $4 trillion. They got it down to $3.5 trillion. Then they got it down to $2 trillion. And now it's down to $1.75 trillion. And now Joe Manchin says, yep, I can't handle it. I can't support the goddamn thing. And this is what Republicans always do. And this is where Democrats always get beat. They get into negotiations with Republicans, or in this case, a Democrat in Joe Manchin, and they let them pick apart their bills. They take things out of the bill. They play the game for a while. And then when it comes to voting for it, they say, yeah, no, we're not going to do it. I don't even understand the whole reason why the Republicans do it, but I understand even less why the Democrats keep falling for it. They keep falling for it every goddamn time. Now, the funny thing about it is it seems like Joe Manchin wanted to be a dick about this because to add insult to injury, where did he announce this? Where did he say his final decision was, I'm not going to support the Build Back Better bill? On fucking Fox News. Why there? Maybe because he's too gutless to do it on a uh, left-leaning channel. Maybe he's too gutless to say it to Joe Biden directly, face-to-face. I mean, that's where he should have done it. See, the thing about it is the White House was very surprised by this. And you can tell they're pretty pissed off about it, too. As soon as this came out, this information came out, Jen Psaki sent out a very, very lengthy statement, which is unusual. And in that statement, they were focused on one person and one person only, Joe Manchin. That was unusual. And in this statement, they weren't very complimentary. That tells us that the White House never saw this coming. Now, we've got Joe Biden and... uh, Joe Manchin talking, as I say, for for months now, trying to figure something out. And the White House was under the assumption that these two, Joe Biden and Joe Manchin, were talking. They were negotiating in good faith. And the impression we were given was that they were apart by a little bit, but somehow they'd work through it and get a deal done. That's what we were led to believe. But then all of a sudden, Joe Manchin says, fuck it, I ain't going to do it, and I'm not going to support it. Done deal. It's over. 
Here's the problem with this scenario. We wasted a lot of time. Joe uh, Manchin apparently lied to the President of the United States, lied to Congress. Let me explain to you how this all started. Now, you know, we were talking about two separate bills in the beginning, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill and the Build Back Better Bill. Now, for the longest time, the Democrats, specifically the progressive Democrats, wanted to pass these two things together. They were insisting on it, and they had a reason for that. You see, the bipartisan infrastructure bill is something that Joe Manchin wanted, Christian Sinema wanted, the Republicans wanted, even many of the Democrats wanted. I mean, let's be honest, it's something we needed from the beginning. Now, way, way back, they were negotiating this thing out, and the progressive Democrats said this, we'll get on board and we'll vote for this bipartisan infrastructure bill only and only if we figure out some guarantee to get the Build Back Better deal passed. See, you have to understand there's enough progressives in the House of Representatives, uh, progressive Democrats, that is, that if they wanted to have shut down that bipartisan infrastructure bill, they could have. Now, a lot of people felt like they were cutting off their nose to spite their face, that they were being too hard to deal with, that these progressive Democrats were wrong and we needed the bipartisan infrastructure bill and they were going to uh, be obstructionist in this deal. They were cutting their nose off to spite their face because the country needed this bipartisan infrastructure bill, but they were going to fight against it. Now, what you have to understand about the progressives is they had no problem with the bipartisan infrastructure bill. They liked the bill. They were happy to vote for it, assuming everybody went along with what they promised and would pass the Build Back Better bill. But they knew the Republicans weren't going to vote for it. No Republicans were going to vote for this. And they knew if given the chance... Joe Manchin would lie to them. He would pull the football out at the last moment. And they didn't want that to happen. So they were holding the bipartisan bill over the head of Joe Manchin saying, we'll do this, but you got to do that. Now, there's been all kinds of negotiation over the months and months, and everybody knew where this stood. Everybody knew what was going on, and everybody made some kind of plan. Now, before the infrastructure bill was passed, Joe Manchin specifically said, well, I don't know why we just don't pass the bipartisan bill, and then we can work on the other one. We'll be diligent about it. We'll work with it. And still the progressives said, no, we don't fucking trust you. We do not trust you. And again, the progressives got all kinds of heat about this. Oh, you're being too unreasonable. Oh, you're just being mean. You're trying to stop the bipartisan infrastructure bill. That's a problem. You're bad people. And again, it really had nothing to do with the bill at all. They were fine with the bill. They wanted that bipartisan infrastructure bill passed, but they knew it was the only leverage they had to get Joe Biden to or Joe Manchin to come through. They knew it. 
So they were going to stick to their guns. They were going to burn down that bipartisan infrastructure bill unless they got some guarantee on the Build Back Better bill. And I will be honest with you, I said this at the time, having been in many negotiations and dealing with less than ethical people, people I couldn't trust. I said, you know, a lot of people might be mad at the progressives, but I understand them. And they should hold tough to their to their position. They should not give in to Joe Manchin. Because when it came down to it, if that bipartisan bill didn't pass, Joe Manchin, the Republicans, would look bad. They really wanted it passed. See, that's the thing when you're in a negotiation. You need to know more about what they want and need than what you want and need. And in any negotiation, you need to be able to risk losing in order to win. It's a game of chicken, man. Who's going to hold out to the last second? Well, of course, as always, the Democrats blinked. The Republicans, and I put Joe Manchin in the position of Republicans because he's acting like one, even though he's a Democrat. They blinked, but they didn't blink because progressives gave up. See, this is the sketchy part of this thing. The only reason they gave in, signed the bipartisan infrastructure bill, and decided to wait on the Build Back Better bill is because of Joe Biden. You see, Joe Biden wanted the bipartisan infrastructure bill passed. He wanted the Build Back Better bill passed, but he was under pressure. He had to get something done. And what he told the progressives was, he says, listen, I got Joe Manchin. I understand Joe Manchin. I've worked with Joe Manchin. I will guarantee you that we will get the Build Back Better bill done. But we got to get this bipartisan infrastructure bill done first. Now, this went against everything the progressives wanted to do. They didn't want to do that. But when you have the president who's in your own party comes to you and say, listen, I've got it. Don't worry about it. Just vote for the bipartisan infrastructure bill. What are you supposed to do with that? You're supposed to argue with the president? No, what you do is you trust the president. You believe what he's saying. And you take the chance. Now, even though they decided to take the chance, there still were a few people like AOC and uh, Bernie Sanders and people like that that still didn't believe it. But... And some, some of these people didn't even vote for the bipartisan infrastructure bill in the progressives. But it still passed. There was enough votes for it to pass. So the bipartisan infrastructure bills passed. Everybody's happy. Republicans happy. Joe Manchin's happy. And then they start working on the Build Back Better bill. And guess what? Everything starts to slow down. And this is a perfect example of trying to negotiate with somebody who's less than ethical, somebody who will lie, who's somebody who will not stand by their word and not blink when they're being unethical or just not playing fair. This is exactly what the progressives told us to watch out for. And Joe Biden stepped up and said, don't worry, I can handle Joe Manchin. Well, we watched and watched as these Negotiations went back and forth. We never saw the negotiations, but we heard about them. We saw Joe Manchin go back and forth, acting like he was going to go with some things, and then he was afraid of some other things. 
And I really honestly believe that this was all just a show. So when he went back to his state, the people that believed they shouldn't have it, he could stand his ground. But the fact of the matter is people in West Virginia need as much as this Build Back Better bill as anybody in this country. So I don't know how he goes back and looks at these people in the face. Maybe he doesn't care. So this is going back and forth, and at first they said, we're going to have this done by Christmas. Well, now we're on, what, uh, December 19th? And they know they're not going to have it done by Christmas. Not because they weren't in a position to do it, because we didn't know any better a day or two ago, but because there just wasn't time. These fucking congressional members go on vacation for two weeks around Christmas, all the way through to New Year's, so there was no way it was going to get done in 2022. See, that's the funny thing I don't understand here. Joe Manchin could have rode this out through the Christmas holidays and not make mention of it until after January 1st, and then announced it and saved himself a lot of heartache during the holidays. But he did it yesterday. He did it on Fox News, and that's interesting to me. Why that day and why from that vehicle? That makes no sense. That's like an insult. That's like sticking it in Joe Biden's face, and uh, I'm not sure why he would do that. I mean, let's be honest with, with it. He's got power in this situation because he's one of 50 Democratic senators. And because he thinks differently than everybody else, he has a certain amount of power. But at the same time, Joe Biden is the president of the United States, the most powerful man in the country. Joe's been treating him, Joe Biden's been treating Joe Manchin with kid gloves because he wanted to negotiate something in good faith. But now he not only turned down Joe Biden, but he stuck it in his face on top of it. Why would you do that? What? How does that make any fucking sense at all? It just doesn't make any sense. So now we're going to go through the Christmas holidays all the way through New Year's. And uh, people are going to be annoyed. People are going to be upset. And what Joe Manchin may or may not realize, right now, before this all happened, he was one of the most hated guys in this country. I mean, here's a bill, the Build Back Better bill, is supported by 70 to 75 percent of this country. His own state is one of the biggest areas that need the most that's in that bill. But he's willing to walk away from it and say no, in spite of most America wanting it. Now, one of the sticking points in this bill for Joe Bi- or Joe Manchin is, is this clean air, clean energy thing. He doesn't like that. Now, the reason he doesn't like it is because he's heavily invested and gets a lot of money out of coal companies. That's a big thing in West Virginia. His son owns one. He gets a million dollars a year because of his support or whatever the fuck he does. So coal's kind of important to him. But in this day and age, coal energy is like fucking being a blacksmith. It's done here and there, but it's old news. It's old technology. It's time to move on, especially when coal is so damaging to our Earth's ecology. But Joe Manchin is heavily invested. He's not going to go his 
go against his best interest. Not to mention the fact he gets a lot of money from big oil companies, too. You can bet big coal and big oil are pushing on Joe Manchin. They don't want this bill because, of course, um, it's going to take money away from them. What big oil has to understand is the EV cars and the electric cars are coming whether they like it or not or whether or not Joe Manchin votes for this bill. They just don't want Joe to do it because they don't want uh, the government helping this out and speeding it along. We've depended on oil way too fucking long and coal. Coal should have been gone years ago. But Joe Manchin's going to keep supporting them as long as they keep putting money in his pocket. The thing about it is, is that people will say, let's get rid of Joe Manchin. We should kick him out of there. Have him turn Republican. And there's the catch-22 there, see? Yeah, Joe Manchin acts like a Republican. But if he just admitted, I'm a Republican, or he got kicked out and some other shitty little Republican got elected. Here's what happens. Now, all of a sudden, the Republicans have the majority in the Senate. We can't do anything. Then the Democrats can do nothing because they don't have the majority. So the idea of having Joe turn Republican or let them bring in somebody else that would probably be Republican... That doesn't make sense. There's no sense in that. Because then the Democrats lose the majority. So in one respect, we're kind of lucky that Joe Manchin is there because West Virginia is a huge red state, voted for Donald Trump. The fact that they have a Democratic senator is weird in the first place. Now, Joe Manchin does act more like a Republican, but in some things he does act like a Democrat. So that's something. So just getting rid of Joe Manchin doesn't fix anything. In fact, it probably makes it worse. The thing about it is, is there's only really one thing that can be done here. And it's not on the Democrats because they've proved that they can't come through. They're not tough enough. They're not smart enough. They're not cagey enough. They're not willing to push the envelope in order to get things done. So we can't count on them. The Republicans are nothing but obstructionists unless when it means we're giving money to the rich. So we can't count on the Democrats or the Republicans. So it's really on us. We voted in 2020. We got a slight majority in the House and a slight majority in the Senate. That's helped the Democrats get as far as they're going now. And it stopped the obstructionism to a certain extent from the Republicans because they don't have as much power. The unfortunate thing is the Democrats aren't acting like they have the power. They're acting like they're the weak sister again. You know, Schumer acts like the minority leader and Mitch McConnell acts like the majority leader, even though their positions are really switched I don't know why it is. Maybe it's just something inherent in Democrats. They can't be tough. They can't push the issue. And if they can't, well, then we have a problem for those folks in the Democratic Party. And we have a problem in this country because these Republicans we know now are strict insurrectionists. 
undermining democracy, undermining elections, not passing anything at all. It's funny because Joe Manchin did vote without even thinking twice about it. Uh, $778 billion budget to the Defense Department, even though we don't need that much money with the Defense Department. Didn't think a word about it. But now when we get the Build Back Better bill and it comes back to the middle class, oh, he's got to think about it. In fact, now I don't want to support it because it's crazy. It's going to add to the debt. It's going to make things tough for the future, even though we know it's already paid for with people on the rich side of this scenario. The people who aren't paying taxes now are going to pay for this bill. Now, who could have a problem with that? Only one person, and that one person happens to get fed, get money from those very rich people. So his position, his standing, is tainted because he's supporting the very people that we're trying to get the money out of, the people that owe the money, that to, to, that need to pay the amount of taxes, the fair, fair share of the amount of taxes. Now, what, we, what Democrats have to do here is simply come out in mass and vote. It's unfortunate that it has to go this way or that this is the only way it can get done, but this is truly the only way. There's really two things we can do with this situation. 2022 is a midterm election, and typically fewer people go out to vote at the midterms. We can't let that happen this time around. In 2020, Donald Trump lost to Joe Biden, not because Joe Biden was a great candidate, because he's not. He lost to Joe Biden because people were scared shitless that Donald Trump was going to get four more years, and God knows what that would bring us in this country. We've already been devastated, and they didn't want to see more. So that's why Joe Biden ended up getting 81 million votes, more votes than any presidential candidate in history. Only second to Donald Trump, who got 74 million votes. More people voted in 2020 than ever before. Because Joe, Joe Biden had a bunch of scared people voting for him. And Donald Trump had whipped up his base and everybody else in the Republican Party, getting them to believe all the bullshit, and they voted. So come 2022, we have to push the envelope here. We have to get more people out to vote, like we did in 2020, if we hope to maintain our majority in the House and the Senate. But we have to go further than that. We have to expand those majorities. In the Senate, there are 20 Republican senators that are running for re-election. Now, it's unlikely, it's almost impossible to imagine that we would be able to flip 20 states from Republican to Democrat. Don't see that happening. But it would be nice if we could see five or six of these places flipped to Democrat. Because that would do two things. It would get us a wider majority, and it would make Joe Manchin irrelevant. He wouldn't be the one guy with all the power. So we really have to get people out. And if fear is the only thing that gets people to vote, like in 2020, well, you need to know. 
you better be fearful if the Republicans win in 2022, because that could be the end of fair elections. That could be the end of our democracy, literally speaking. So now we've got also the, uh, the voting rights bill. Now, the only way that's getting passed, if we carve out the uh, filibuster, that's the only way it's going to happen. And guess who we have to count on to do that for us or help us to do it? Fucking Joe Manchin. If we couldn't trust him with the Build Back Better bill, do you think we can trust him on this fucking filibuster and the voting rights bill? I don't think so. He says he's for voting rights, but that doesn't mean shit. He hasn't shown us any kind of integrity, any kind of credibility as yet, so we can't trust him. So the last thing I think we need to know and the last thing we need to do is maybe take a page from the Republicans. The Republicans love to control the narrative. They'll throw out lies and bullshit constantly. And they keep saying it, and they keep saying it, and they keep saying it. And there's a certain faction of stupid people that believe it. And that works for them. So we need to do something similar to that, except that Democrats would put out the truth. The truth. And maybe we incorporate some cancel culture into this. We know how the Republicans hate the cancel culture. The only reason people get canceled is because they do fucked up shit. And if you don't want to be canceled, don't do fucked up shit. But people who bitch about cancel culture, what they're bitching about is, I'm doing some bad shit. And I'm upset that it's been exposed and everybody got to hear about it. Well, sorry, we live in a different era. We live in the information age. Somebody can do one little thing and it can be across the world in two minutes. So you better relate and adjust to the new lifestyle in this world. You're going to do some bad shit. It's going to get across the country. And as far as controlling the narrative, we need Joe Manchin to pay a price for his lack of credibility, lack of integrity. He's flat out lying about lying to the president. Now, see, here's the problem, too. Now, the president looks like he lied because he guaranteed that this was be done to the progressives. So now the progressives are going to hold uh, Joe Biden's feet to the fire. Are they going to believe anything that he says from here on out? I doubt it. If Joe Manchin brings anything to the table and he wants to pass it, are the progressives going to help? Fuck no. Joe Manchin isn't going to be able to do jack shit about jack shit. He's going to be essentially impotent. See, it just causes a big mess. So we need to identify Joe Manchin, who he is, and let everybody know. He's this little senator in a little state that was under the radar for so many years, but now he's got this power. He's trying to exercise it. So what we need people to know If Joe Manchin is against Build Back Better, that means he's against universal pre-K for kids. He is also against the child tax credit, the fight against child poverty. Remember that uh, tax credit is coming to an end, but it cut child poverty in half. We're going to talk about that a little bit in the next segment. He is against care for the elderly. He's against clean energy. He's against conservation, our natural resources. 
He's against lower prescription uh, rates. He's against expanding Medicare and Medicaid for the elderly. He's against affordable housing, affordable education beyond high school. He's against building the middle class as opposed to taking money away from them. He's against immigration reform. He's against rich paying their fair share. He's against enforcing tax laws. This is what Joe Manchin is against. You can't fly under the radar anymore. We've got to throw that out there and let people know. And keep letting them know until Joe Manchin is either canceled or brought to his knees. You can't get away with doing fucked up shit without people knowing. And the only way people are going to know is if we do exactly what the Republicans do and control the narrative. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, we are back on the Rational Boomer podcast. In this segment before, we were talking about Joe Manchin, the Build Back Better bill. And one of the components of that bill is the child tax credit. It's money given back to families in order to help pay for children. Now, this particular deal did a lot for the children in this country. This actually cut child poverty by 50%. Now, who wouldn't be for that? We've got millions of kids in poverty, having trouble getting clothes, schooling, food. And that child care tax credit helped take half of them out of poverty. Now, instead of cutting that, we should be looking at expanding that so we can take all kids out of poverty. Isn't the le- that the least this government can do for this country? But now with this Build Back Better bill, that child tax credit is in that bill. It's in that bill. And the child care tax credit that was set up previous to this bill is now ending after this month. We've had people getting money, getting children out of poverty for a year now. Now, come January, it's going to stop. It's going to stop. Now, who's the one that wants to stand up and say, yeah, let's get rid of the child tax credit. Let's put these kids back into poverty. Who's going to do that? Joe Manchin? Well, you just fucking did it because it's part of the Build Back Better bill. It would be able to get it up and moving again in January and then keep the child care tax credit going. But at this point, with the Build Back Better bill not going to happen right at this point, that child care tax credit will end and all these kids that were being taken out of poverty will be pushed back into poverty. That's what the Republicans are doing because they won't vote for it a bit. That's what Joe Manchin is doing because he uh, submarined this fucking Build Back Better bill. This isn't going to look too good for a lot of people. Now, what that could mean is they'll pull it out as a singular bill. (laughs) Funny fucking thing about it is Joe Manchin suggested this. He said, well, I like the child care tax credit, but it shouldn't be for one year. It should be for 10 years. (laughs) Yeah, well, the reason it was only one year 
Joe, is because you wanted to cut it down to $1.75 trillion, of which you backed out of. Now, if you were to cut a bill that said uh, uh, the child care tax credit goes for 10 years, now we're looking at about a trillion and a half dollars. So that would chew up all the budget for that one thing. And that's fine if that's what you want to do. But here's the thing, Joe. You've said a lot of things through this whole process, not one of which have you come through on. We can't trust you. You're a liar. You're not true to your word. You're a piece of shit. So you can tell us whatever you want to do as far as the tax credit or the Build Back Better bill, but we can't trust you because you lied to the president, you lied to Congress, you lied to the American people. We're coming up to a time when this child care credit is going to stop, and it's going to do some bad things for the kids in this country. This is on the Democrats, this is on the Republicans, this is on Joe Manchin. And it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty at all. And it'll be interesting to see what they do about it. Well, there was some good news, or at least some good rumors. There is a rumor going along. Some author is out there um, suggesting that in a short time, Donald Trump will be indicted by the Manhattan District in New York. Now, I know it's kind of hard to keep this straight. The Manhattan District in New York is dealing strictly with Donald Trump's businesses and financial affairs. There, of course, is the possible grand jury in Georgia about the election fraud. That's a different thing. And then there's, of course, the insurrection in Washington, D.C. That's a totally different thing. We've been hearing a lot about the Manhattan District regarding Donald Trump's business dealings. Well, they're saying now the rumor out is that Donald Trump will be indicted very soon in the Manhattan District. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there that say, oh, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. And you might disbelieve what these people are predicting. But if you look at it very closely, if you take a very close look at it, there might be something to this. you got to remember all the things that come into play with the Manhattan District. You've heard them all, but I don't know if you've compiled them all in your head at one time so you can see how it's playing out. You can kind of tell the direction of something if you know all the facts and how this is being built because that's how court cases are built. They start from the bottom, they work to the middle and up to the top, and all the while they're building the case for the ultimate indictment, the ultimate trial, and ultimate conviction. And that's what's kind of happening in the Manhattan District. Now, you'll recall that uh, the Manhattan District Attorney is Cyrus Vance. Now, way back several months ago, you might recall that Cyrus Vance brought in this lawyer named Pomerantz. He's a well-known lawyer, especially with um, the mafia and that sort of thing. He specializes in RICO prosecution. Now, here's the thing you have to understand about Pomerantz. Pomerantz was a very successful guy. 
He had his private practice. He's making money hand over fist. He doesn't need to do anything else. He's doing just fine in his private practice. But somehow, somehow Cyrus Vance was able to convince him to close up shop for a time, come work for the government, and make a government salary. Why the fuck would you do that? Why would you give up all this money you're making to go back and work for chump change from the government? Unless it's something important. Unless it's something very high profile. Because you see, attorneys love those high profile things. That's why they do pro bono for those high profile things. The advertising is worth more than the money they would make from it. And you have to believe that's the case with Pomerantz. Now, in addition to that with the Manhattan District, the other thing you have to remember is, you know, we're hearing about Donald Trump getting his taxes released to Congress and all of that. Well, the Manhattan District already has his taxes. They've had his taxes for a long time. They're using it in his investigation. And because they have his taxes, that's why they indicted the whole Trump organization, the company. They have indicted that company. And to be perfectly honest with you, when you indict a corporation or a company or an organization, that is the death knell. You can't get financing. You can't do much of anything. Nobody wants to deal with a company that's been indicted federally. So for all intents and purposes, the Trump organization may be done in the not-so-distant future. But in addition, they also indicted Donald Trump's CFO, Alan Weisselberg. He's the guy that knows where all the bodies are buried. He knows where every money, every bit of money that came in and went out. He knows everything. He worked hand in hand with Donald Trump. And here's the last thing that's interesting that we know that happened. Just last week, I think we heard about it. Donald Trump's accountant. Now, he didn't work for Donald Trump. He worked for an outside company a fairly respectable company, but he handled Donald Trump's and the Trump Organization's accounting. Well, he's agreed to testify, which is nice. But something interesting about that agreement to testify, he's also done it with the understanding that he will get full immunity. He's an accountant. What's he need the full immunity for? Why does he need to do that to testify in this case? Well, a lot of people suggest that Donald Trump has done many um, illegal things tax-wise while he's been in business for the decades. And he kind of pressured his accountant to go along with it or make it look right. And the reason they do that, because they don't want to lose Donald Trump's business. Too much money. So they break some rules and do some things just to appease Donald Trump. So now we're going to court. They want to talk to his accountant. Why does he need immunity? Well, because he probably did some illegal shit for Donald Trump. Maybe against his better judgment, but he did it still. And frankly, he could go to jail. It would shut him down personally and probably his company as well. So he needs immunity. And you know the only reason they give somebody immunity is if they give a lot of good information. Now, the Trump organization isn't that big. You have the CFO, you have an accountant who doesn't even work for the company, 
And after that, it's mostly Donald Trump, his family, and maybe a couple of other people. There's only so many people yet to indict. There's only a few, and Donald Trump and his family are most of it. Now, there's one last thing to consider in this whole rumor about Donald Trump being indicted soon. And this is the kicker. This is the thing that really makes you think. You know all the stuff going around the Manhattan District right now. There's a lot of shit going on about Donald Trump. There's a lot of information that's been gathered about whatever Donald Trump has done that's illegal. But you maybe forgot that last year, Cyrus Vance, the district attorney in the Manhattan District, announced that he would be retiring at the end of December. We are now around the mid part of December. Now, when we're talking about lawyers, we're talking about people with big egos. And what do they love if they're going to retire? A good legacy. And that legacy couldn't be any better than being the only district attorney in the history of this country indicting a former president. It's never happened before. Cyrus Vance has been working doggedly after Donald Trump for years. And now he has the chance to indict him. So this is why we're getting a lot of people predicting that Donald Trump will be indicted soon. Cyrus Vance is going to leave at the end of December. If he wants some kind of legacy, he's going to have to get it done before then. And we're less than two weeks away from the end of December. And we have a few holidays in there that take away the time. So it's very likely that in short order, Donald Trump will be indicted. Cyrus Vance will want to wrap that part of it up before he goes. Now, for those of you that are upset or worried that when Cyrus Vance goes, then it'll all go away and Donald Trump will be off free and he'll never be accountable for anything. Don't, don't get too excited about that. Don't worry about that. First of all, Cyrus Vance is going to get as much done as he can before he leaves, and we're two weeks away from that date. But the guy coming in, and I don't recall his name, it doesn't matter at this point, but the guy coming in to take over Cyrus Vance's job January 1 hates Donald Trump more than fucking Cyrus Vance, and he has a lot of experience with with Donald Trump. You see, as a prosecutor, he's sued... Donald Trump more than 10 times and won more than 10 times. In fact, he is the one that went after Donald Trump regarding his charitable organization. You remember that one. Donald Trump had this charitable organization and he used it as his personal bank, took money out of the charity and spent it on himself, paid his family uh, salaries, which is highly illegal. Now, he didn't suffer any criminal charges, God knows why, but what happened was he got sued, he had to pay like $25 million, they shut down the charity, and he and his family were permanently banned from ever having another charity again. The guy taking over for Cyrus Vance is the guy that did all that. So if there's anything left on the table when Cyrus Vance leaves, you can bet this next guy is going to pick it up with no problem at all and keep shoving it down Donald Trump's throat. That's what's going to happen. So Donald Trump is in trouble. The whole idea that he may be indicted soon, it makes some sense. 
it actually makes a lot of sense. Everything that uh, politicians or lawyers do is calculated. You know, we, we, we talked about this whole thing with the uh, select committee and the investigation in the insurrection. They're sending people to the DOJ for uh, criminal contempt of Congress. That's going on. We know that there are sitting members of Congress that have encouraged and helped with the insurrection, but the select committee hasn't given us any names yet. You're wondering why. Well, they're building a bigger case, and they are kind of causing these people to sweat a little bit. And there will come a time when it's the right time for them to tell you who these people are. We know Jim Jordan is one of them. We know that Benny Thompson said that all the others won't be a surprise to us because we can guess who they might be. And trust me, they are sweating now. But they'll hold off on giving those names for a little bit. Because, you know, once they give the names, prove that these people committed crimes, maybe treason or sedition to that level, then what they have to do is they have to recommend it, refer it to the DOJ, and then the DOJ has to decide to proceed and prosecute the case. But it's all about timing here, you see. The timing here is get it to them, get it in the process. We may be looking at August, September, maybe even October before these people go to court, go to trial, and get that done. And you might say to me that that's a long time. Why does it have to take that long? Again, when we're talking about politicians or lawyers, they're very calculated. Timing is a key. Think about this timing. They start sending Congress members to court, maybe after they've been expelled, because Congress can do that without going to court. They can expel them. But then they go to court. And things don't start happening until August, September, maybe October. But what's coming in November? The midterm elections. November 2022. This this stuff is all going to build and build. There's going to be television uh, hearings, primetime television for weeks. People are going to be going to court. Names will be exposed. People will whip in this around. And it's going to come to its height right around the latter part of 2022, because that's when the midterm election is. This is all very calculated, and it's all going to happen. There's just too much information out there. Donald Trump will go down in the Manhattan district, and no matter what happens there, you have to remember there's at least two other locations he has problems. Georgia is putting together a grand jury to potentially indict uh, Donald Trump, for trying to coerce and blackmail the Secretary of State for the election. Find me 11,780 votes. That's on tape. That is criminal. That's absolute evidence. That's coming too. And then you have the insurrection, and people will tie Donald Trump to this insurrection. That'll be referred to the DOJ, and there's likely to be some indictments in court cases there. So this Manhattan district thing is a big deal, and if he gets indicted, we'll all be excited. But understand, it's only the beginning. You've got D.C., and you've got Georgia, and you've got 
tons and tons of other lawsuits all over the place. Donald Trump will be inundated with legal costs and legal time spent in court. Donald Trump won't be able to run in 2024. He'll be destroyed well before then. And hopefully the Democrats can expose all the bad things for the Republicans by 2022. So it's impossible for anybody to get a fucking vote if you're a Republican because you've been exposed for the criminals, the insurrectionists, the seditionists, the treasonists they are. Just remember, this is all very calculated. And they're doing this for very specific reasons. It may seem like too long for you, but they're doing it for a reason. This is when Democrats have to get tough. They've got to play dirty. They've got to be mean. They've got to be vicious. If you can't get them to pass a fucking bill like the Build Back Better bill, then what you need to do is tear the Republicans apart, expose them for everything you can. Indict as many people as you can. Put as many people in jail as you can and not let up. I don't know if it's in the Democrats to do that, but this is what they need to do. If you can't fight them in Congress, fight them in court and tear them to shreds and be dogged about it. Do not quit. When they're on their knees begging, take them out. That's what the Democrats need to do between now and 2022. That is really their only hope. Control the narrative. Like I said, we have to go after Joe Manchin, expose him for the piece of shit he is. We should do that and never stop. We should do that with all the people that were part of the insurrection. Keep talking. Keep it loud. Keep it in the narrative and just destroy these people because that's what they deserve. But that's what it's going to take in order for the Democrats to hold on to majority in the House and the Senate. And this is the time to start getting ugly with it. And I can only hope that the Democrats, in fact, do that. I got my fingers crossed. I don't have a lot of confidence because we've seen what the Democrats have done in the past. But if they're going to do something, that's what they need to do now. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. want to thank you for spending the time, giving me the opportunity to talk to you for 45, 50 minutes and having you listen. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. If you have questions or comments, by all means, send me a direct email, irrationalboomer at gmail.com. Go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer Podcast, and you can leave a voicemail message. So we got that going for us, which is nice. (laughs) All right, we're going to wrap things up, but we'll be back talking to you very, very soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.